Welcome to the Brevis Consulting Living and Learning Podcast. Now to your host, Shivraj Prashad. Shivraj Prashad. I am so happy that you have chosen to join me today. As founder of Brevis, I work with a whole host of exciting folks and together have the privilege of serving companies, leaders and institutions across sectors and geographies in order to enhance their learning culture. Philanthropists need to raise their game and play the role of a coach in addition to giving money for the simple reason that more than 50% of the NGOs are in a fight for survival at this point. We speak to Anand Bhagwati, Director for Capacity Building and Expertise at Tasra on the changing role of philanthropy in rebuilding the non-profit or social impact sector. Anand Bhagwati, thank you very much for speaking to the Brevis Living and Learning Podcast. Thank you. You've been closely studying philanthropy in India for over a decade now. Given the unprecedented times we find ourselves in, what are some of the game-changing or major shifts we are likely to witness? You know, I think there are two or three things which are becoming quite clear. I think one important element is just the fact that COVID has put a lot of stress in the system, especially on NGOs, in two ways. One is really put financial stress. And secondly, getting a new reality of how do we deliver impact in a situation of social distancing and also where the vulnerable populations are even more, you know, finding it hard to make ends meet. So one big new change is really the stress levels in the sector has shot up. And just to give you a sense, in a fairly large cohort of high impact NGOs, which as Dasra we work with, almost 60% are in some degree of high stress. So that's a large number. I think secondly, there is also a very clear challenge which is coming up on how do we best serve the most vulnerable, whether it is girls, whether it is migrant, whether it is people who are not getting access to the services today, even with digital. How does that happen? And I think that's the second very big reality. And if it's not dealt with urgently, we will find many of the progress on the SDGs made over the last decade, we'll we'll lose that traction. The 10th edition of your report was released at the end of February, just before the lockdown. But given what we're witnessing now with the long march for many fleeing urban centres, would you say it somewhat presages just how much more work needs to be done to address the most underserved and vulnerable? No, absolutely. I think in a way, the report was pre-COVID and the big message there was while there is a good start and, you know, there's a good trajectory, but there's so much more. And again, just to give a sense, if we look at the total philanthropic pie in India, adds up to about $10 billion, all inclusive. And, And the reality is, if you use that as really catalytic capital, and along with the government funds, there is still so much more which is needed to be done. I think the reality now is the same, you know, uphill climb has got even steeper. But I think with two or three very big additional elements, one is it is now increasingly harder for NGOs to do this job. A, because they are themselves under survival mode and B, because of social distancing, many of the most vulnerable communities are even harder to access and support. 
So um, I'd almost say the tonality of the report was between cautiously optimistic. Now it's very, very critical that one recognizes this is a storm, nothing less, and deals with it from that perspective. Is there a case perhaps for a structural change in the way we approach the issue of income inequality and development outcomes? I read an interesting article recently that perhaps an empowerment and not poverty line measure would be more representative. And there's something in the report there as well about re-looking at the way we approach poverty in India. No, thanks for bringing that up, Shura. I think it's it's an important point. And if I take a look at the COVID reality, I think the current focus is on saving lives, which is critical. And of course, food and shelter, which is critical. But very soon, the focus will go towards building and rebuilding incomes. And to your point, a nation which is growing at a 6% is automatically moving a very large number of people out of poverty. And now when that 6% moves down to a 0% or thereabouts, what it means is many people who either have recently moved, broken the poverty chain or, or were about to will find it harder. So looking at not just poverty in isolation, but looking at it as, an, as a symptom, but the underlying root cause is A, access to the mainstream economy has become harder, B, the mainstream economy will slow down, and C, there are sections of the population, even with digital, you know, interestingly, digital is actually not very inclusive today. For example, a very few number of women actually own the mobile phone in the house. So when we say, yes, India now has access to digital, what it basically means is there is one phone in the house and that necessarily is not with the woman. So as we think about this, thinking holistically about ability of people to participate to break the cycle of poverty becomes very critical. And then connecting the dots to what the government, but more importantly, also civil society needs to do. Interestingly, you highlight sanitation. And of course, that's become a hot button topic as a key area that needs addressing in the report. How important will the ecosystem be in getting everyone to engage deeper with these issues? After all, in India, it often isn't until something is almost existential that we act. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We unfortunately have a tendency of what you said. So let me play it like this, which is, yes, uh, we, we recognize a problem when it's already manifested. But what if we were to prevent it from happening? And just to take the point you men- mentioned, if you look at a city, a very robust connection between sanitation, water, some degree of preventive health care, yeah, and then some degree of protection of the most vulnerable are highly interrelated. And this has to be done at a policy level, at an infrastructure level, and at a civil society community level. And if it's done well, many problems can be averted or nipped in the bud. But if it is not done well, as we have seen in many parts of the world, not just India, urban societies are very vulnerable because they have had massive migrations and urbanization without equal increase in the basic infrastructure and the systems to deal with this in a connected manner. So again, to your point, I think sanitation, water, preventive healthcare, and vulnerable rights would be, in our view, four things which are absolutely crucial to have resilient and inclusive cities so that we can prevent many such crises in the future. And how important will the ecosystem be in getting everyone to engage deeper with these issues? Very important. I think it'll start with really finding a way to get 
grassroots level mobilization of communities because you know i think policy level actions at a top down level are important but can only go thus far i think it's absolutely critical that at the grassroots level whether it's the women ssg groups whether it's youth clubs whether it is social organizations and the community there is a very clear understanding of who's there who's doing what providing them enablement empowerment and most importantly enabling them to coordinate with the state and the center so that there is a unbroken chain right from the center state district right down to the community so i think that ecosystem mobilization is important so that almost the backbone of the country from the top to the bottom is actually well connected and strong and healthy now we've seen a range of crowdfunding initiatives there's the pm care fund there was the big announcement to rescue the economy large business houses pledging large amounts but is that enough anant how important is the short term versus the long term approach to philanthropy two things have happened a little bit shivraj one is there has been a massive hit to the funding trajectories a because the corporate earnings are really impacted due to the economic crisis and and secondly also there has been rightly so a lot of funds which has moved into relief i think the reality is while there is a natural tendency to focus everything on relief which is understandable problems such as not being able to educate not being able to get kids ready for livelihood not being able to deal with vulnerable rights well are equally important philanthropy has a duty to think longer term and to think strategically about not just addressing the current crisis that is important but also thinking of what are the other challenges to solve so that we don't lurch from crisis to crisis so i think that is absolutely crucial role of philanthropy and i think philanthropists and foundations are thinking and have to think even harder of how to balance the short and long term now in the report you talk about more integrated approaches a systems one which recently even arun mara wrote in an editorial and said that it has to happen holistically what will that entail a couple of things uh, and you know just taking an example of as dasra when we try to address the challenges of adolescence we recognize that it is a combination of safety of the girl hygiene health finding ways and means for education and also linkages to livelihood so there are almost five ministries which are involved and unless this is done in a very coordinated manner while something might still be happening the girl will not be able to navigate her journey to full potential so in very simple terms at at least a district level there has to be concerted action there can still be different accountabilities and responsibilities but they have to converge to make life better for the girl and that's just one example similarly one can think of many other sectors but putting that recipient at the center so that we are not thinking in silos i think is uh, going to become very important and systems thinking or a more holistic thinking hopefully can enable that finally what will philanthropy giving actioning real impact on the ground look like in the next normal given that this is an ever evolving situation that's a great question you know it's very hard to predict but there are some trends shuraj which we are seeing one is clearly retail philanthropy has shot up there is something appealing you know everyone is doing something whether it is giving some amount of money 
raising money for philanthropy, etc., even at a small ticket size. So I think just the consciousness that we now have of our neighbors who are less advantaged as us has shot up like never before. It is hard to not understand that given so much time is available and so much media attention is now focused there. So I think that is a good thing. We are hoping that that trend continues and doesn't revert back to the old normal. I think the the big question is how does the foundations and the philanthropists come back to actually supporting some of the NGOs in doing longer term work on some of the key topics, but with a slightly more holistic mindset. We believe it's going to take time. We believe it will take at least a year to year and a half for philanthropy to actually come back to pre-COVID levels because of the economic impact and also because of the massive resource that COVID itself is going to consume. But I think that is really what we have to look out for because India has multiple challenges and it's critical to solve relief, but it's also important to keep an eye on India's other challenges as well. And what do you think in the interim period between now and the year and a half before we revert to the pre-COVID scenario of philanthropy, should civil society be doing some key things to make sure that we don't lose sight of the impact we need to make? So I would suggest three important things. I think one is whichever NGO a philanthropist is working with or a foundation is working with, going in with the assumption they need support, they need a coach at this time to actually survive and weather the crisis. So philanthropists need to raise their game and play the role of a coach in addition to giving money for the simple reason that more than 50% of the NGOs are in a fight for survival at this point. I think secondly, encouraging certain topics which cut across SDGs, cut across silos like urban resilience, like finding a way to link learning with livelihoods are important. And lastly, and very, very importantly, keeping the vulnerable at the center of every conversation, not as an afterthought, but literally at the first conversation, because if we can solve for the most vulnerable, then whatever we are doing will be meaningful for others. So I'd say these three would be pretty important things for the full sector, but definitely for philanthropists to keep front and center for the next year and a half. Anand Bhagwati, thank you very much for speaking to the Brevis Living and Learning Podcast. Thank you, Shivra, so much for having me. I hope these conversations have helped you in any way. If you have any questions, inputs, ideas, or would just like to connect with me or anyone in my network, shout out by writing in to me at shivraj at brevis.in. I started my podcast, The Truth About Nobody, at a time when I couldn't sit up and type. And it seemed the easiest medium for me to tell my story rather than have to uh, repeat it over and over again to everyone. And I now plan to take it in a more irreverent direction. Next, we speak to the effervescent Preeti Singh, who braved away through a life-threatening illness. But more importantly, turned that experience around with great banter, nudges and good humour, which you get to hear on Preeti's very own fabulous podcast, the truth about nobody. As a public communications coach, I sometimes find it exhilarating to dig deep, research already established wisdom, speak to experts and thought leaders to turn it all into my very own gold dust to help you. Look for us, Brevis Living and Learning Podcast, and follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or TuneIn Radio.